Good morning. We've been working our way through the speeches in Luke's Book of Acts, which is the second of a two-volume work by Luke. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the Book of Acts as a chronicle of the growth, the birth, growth, and development of the early church. And as we've been observing the early church through Luke's eyes, two qualities emerge, um, community and commission. Community, they had a profound sense of common unity that caused them to share their goods with one another. And commission, they had a profound sense of common mission. Last week, we focused on commission with respect to the ability of the first disciples to preach and to heal in Jesus' name, even though it caused them conflict and punishment. They continues to do so. This week, we'll focus on another element of their mission, to take care of the poor and needy among them. I'm reading from Acts chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, and we'll work our way through the passage. It says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. In these times, we probably are about five years or so after Pentecost and when the early church was birthed, the Jerusalem Christian community had grown in number. Initially, it was strictly uh, converts from Judaism. Um, and as is so often the case with rapid increase, what happened, administrative problems were developed. Their inability to care for all the individuals who are be were becoming part of the church. There was a specific complaint that ended up surfacing. There were Greek speaking Jewish Christians, and they had a complaint against the native speaking who were from Palestine, the Aramaic-speaking Jewish Christians. So the conflict arose between Jewish Christians who were from the Roman Empire and spoke Greek and had relocated to Jerusalem, and the natives who were born and always lived there. And it had to do with the fact that the widows who were Grecian Jews, they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. What we know is that Jews at the time, culturally, they had a weekly dole for those who were needy among them, residents of Jerusalem that didn't have the money to be able to, to get food. Every Friday, the government of Israel gave enough money for 14 meals for those who were residents of Jerusalem and were needy, happened every Friday, and on a daily basis for non-residents, there was a distribution of food and drink, which was delivered from house to house when they understood that somebody in those homes was a non-resident, but yet they didn't have enough food or drink to eat. And so on a daily basis, they were distributed. So there was a weekly for residents and a daily for um, non-residents. And the Christians embraced this practice of providing food for those among them who were impoverished. 
in Jewish society, widows were particularly needy and dependent. And the Old Testament singles out widows along with orphans as primary objects of charitable deeds and giving. Here's what it says in Malachi and how much this was valued and was given to be a value among those who named themselves as God's followers, how they were to conduct themselves. It says, uh, God saying, I will come near to you. It says in the Old Testament book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, God says, I'm going to come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. To honor God, then, meant to provide for those who were the oppressed and the impoverished. Um, a community's compassion could and should, according to Judaism, be measured by how it cares for the poor and the orphaned and the widowed. Grecian-speaking Jewish Christian widows were probably unwittingly being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. They had needs, but maybe they didn't understand. They hadn't been there that long for some reason then. Their number were not being served in the same way that the native-speaking widows were being served. Um, we know that um, these Grecian Jews then, they were Jews who lived in the Roman Empire and resettled in Israel proper. Uh, they made up about 10 to 20 percent of the population of Israel at the time. So there's a significant number of them. Uh, they had their own synagogues. And I guess what happened when Jews who had been dispersed into the Roman Empire in prior times often moved back to Jerusalem in their twilight years to die in the holy city. When the men died, their widows were left far from their former home and family and had really no one to care for them and were particularly in need of charity. Um, they may have been attracted to the Christian community because of its concern for the material needs of its members. And again, these the needs of these Jewish Christian widows were being overlooked. They were not receiving the supplies or they were receiving them intermittently. What we find how this is responded to. So there is a, an outcry and there is a, wait a minute, you know, I know these individuals who are being overlooked. And so in verse two, chapter six, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. 
They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The apostles determined that they needed to do what God called them to do, which was to serve as those who were eyewitnesses of Jesus' appearance after he was raised from the dead. They were the ones who were able to bring eyewitness testimony to the fact of Jesus having raised what he said, that he appeared to them, and that was their mission. It was at this particular time especially important because they were the only ones who were eyewitnesses to him, and that was their responsibility. So they did not see that they needed to divert their attention away from that, which was foundational. However, they did see there was a need, so they determined that individuals should be selected to oversee the distribution of the food to widows so that there wouldn't be those who would fall through the cracks. Seven Jewish Christians were selected, and because of their names, they were Grecian. And so the individuals who were put in charge of the administration of this need to widows were Grecian Jews, and they would then be careful not only to serve the native-speaking, but the Greek-speaking um, widows. Um, they took on the assignment, and apparently they fixed the problem. The people agreed with those who were selected. They did the job. They fixed the problem. And it goes on in verse 7 to indicate that the word of God spread. It says the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It's noteworthy that priests who served in the temple, they were part of this growing Christian community. There were many poor priests in Israel at the time, and there were a couple of different kinds of people who served in the temple. There were the priests, and they were the ones whose, that was their vocation. And then there were Levites who were like laymen and women. They served, but it wasn't their job to do so. But even the priests, they labored in a trade most of the year. They did not serve full-time in the temple. They went there, I guess, in two-week shifts when they officiated and had official responsibilities. And so they'd go do their two weeks, and then they would retire outside of the temple confines, and um, they labored in a trade to support themselves. And there were many priests in Jerusalem who were poor, that they didn't make a lot of money. They received little support from the temple, and they had to support themselves with their own hands. There was a level of priests who was the aristocracy. They were the land, they had the resources, and they were from the Sadducees, if we see, and they were very powerful, and they were very affluent, had a lot of weight, and it's not those ones who were coming into the Christian community, but the poorer priests. And from the ranks of these poorer priests, a large number of Christian converts came. Again, as we see some of the initial patterns of the early church, we can 
um, make a couple of observations. Um, the church initially was composed primarily of have-nots, those who were discriminated against, who were the oppressed, they were the afflicted, they were the poor. Those are the individuals who ended up entering into the church and were the initial group that made up the church. Um, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the constituency of the church, and this is what he said, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. And so in the early church, there weren't a large number of haves. There were mostly have-nots who took advantage of the compassion and the care that the Christian community funneled and channeled to those who were needy. Uh, we can certainly then make a couple observations. The early church was poor, did not have a lot of resources. Initially, those who put their faith in Christ, they stepped out of when you were a Jew and you joined this newfound Christian messianic community, you were really stepping out of the social security system that existed at the time. Um, you were put in a place where you were stepping on the other side of what the government would tell you to do. And so when you made a de decision to be a Christian, especially as the years passed by, it was a decision that directly impacted you materially. You ostensibly in our time were opting out of social security. To become a Christian would be then putting yourself in a position that you could not depend on the state. You couldn't depend on the distributions of food that the state would channel and any kind of aid that the state would give. You were opting out. And that's why the Christians took pains to provide for those who were their uh, members. It's also why Paul, when he traveled from church to church through the Roman Empire, he brought collections, he collected money, not tithes, but he collected money so that the needs of these Jerusalem-based Christians could be met. Um, the early church was poor. Those who were discriminated against based on either race, class, or gender, those who were discriminated flooded into the church. The early church was comprised of lower classes without political and economic power. The early church was poor. However, the early church was generous, sacrificial, and loving. Extraordinarily generous gifts were voluntarily brought during worship. It was not mandated. It wasn't a tithe. It was... There were needs that existed, and that's what giving seemed to be in the early church. It was free will and face-driven. It was free will. It wasn't mandated. It wasn't as the tithe was, which was really a tax, a Jewish tax. And that's not how the people gave. They gave of their own volition, not under compulsion. So it was free will and it was face driven. Oftentimes the giving had a focus. And this focus was these widows who had no one to care for them. Their husbands were dead. Their family lived in another part of the world and they had no one to care for them. And so the 
the giving was directed to them. It was free will and face driven, but it was very generous. Um, and these gifts that were brought it made it possible to provide welfare for the poor, the sick, orphans and widows, those in prison, the needy, and the aged. And as we'll see, this was one of the reasons for the unexpected success and influence of Christianity. They observed the way they cared for one another, especially those who were needy. And individuals took notice not only in the first century, but in the succeeding century. For instance, in the middle of the second century, there was a devastating epidemic that swept through the Roman Empire. During the 15-year duration of this epidemic, a quarter to a third of the empire's population died. And the way that the Christians cared for the poor, the sick, was notable. And it wasn't just then. There was a century later, in the middle of the third century, another plague hit, the plague of Cyprian. And it claimed the lives of 5,000 individuals a day in Rome. Pagan Rome was completely ill-prepared to help the sick or deal with mass death. The best the Roman scientists knew, the way you treated epidemics was you avoided contact with those who had diseases and you evacuated the cities. That's all they could do. That's all they knew. In stark contrast, what happened, the early Christians didn't evacuate the cities. They didn't, well, they, they expended themselves in works of mercy that absolutely astonished and dumbfounded the, those who were not similarly influenced to be charitable, compassionate, and loving. Instead of fleeing disease and death, early Christians went towards the sick. They helped the poor, the widowed, the crippled, the blind, the orphaned, and the aged. It was so notable that the Emperor Julian decided, you know what, we need to, we need to imitate what these Christians were doing. So he tried to copy the church's welfare system and failed. He just couldn't get the people to be able to do what the Christians were doing. Because for the Christians, it wasn't duty that motivated them. It was love. It wasn't fear. What the people in the Roman Empire, they looked and they were forced to admire these works of dedication by the early church. They said, look how they love one another. They take care of one another. They roll up their sleeves. They don't abandon one another. The early church understood a couple of things as we close. They understood that God didn't demand ritual sacrifices. What he wanted was love expressed on the earth in deeds of compassion and care, to take care of those who had needs, to come alongside those who were hurting. The early church understood that's what God wants. He doesn't want us to sacrifice and do all these religious ritualistic things. The early church believed 
that God loved humanity, loved people, and that the way to love God back was to love others. They took Jesus' words, which still haunt us to this day, very seriously. Here's what Jesus said. With this, I close. He said, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Truly I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. We pray for us. How do we find ourselves in a time perhaps not as devastating as the plagues that hit the Roman Empire, but <laughs> certainly long standing, and we don't know how long it will last. Um, thank you for your care for us, and you would have us um, do what we can to roll up our sleeves to come alongside those who have needs. I ask that you'd help us to do so. Um, understand that the motivation for this is not obligation. You don't motivate us by fog. It's not fear, obligation, and guilt. It is not. You can't motivate the kind of things that innervated the early church by those. It's got to be free will. It's got to be based on grace. Thank you for your salvation. I pray that we would be able to be those who would identify ourselves as being followers of Christ. In his name, amen.